in a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars. One oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, this is Patrick Pister, and this is a show for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. I'm flying solo today, as Mark couldn't make it for this recording, um, but I have with me another Mark. I have uh, Mark Wilson of EMI Alliance. How are you doing today, Mark? Really good, thanks. Yeah, so um, so we're here in your office here in Houston. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got into the oil field and, and what you're doing in the industry. Sure. Uh, started out in the shipping industry uh, for about 10 years as a deck officer and uh, came over the oil patch in uh, 2010 uh, as a chief mate for Noble Drilling. Uh, worked my way up to Captown on a couple of vessels for Noble and Atwood Oceanics and then moved into the corporate office for Pacific Drilling as a Marine Technical Manager. Uh, most recently, I decided to uh, kind of move move a little bit to a different path and came over to a service uh, vendor, uh, my current company, EMNI, which is an asset integrity company. Yeah, so you and I actually share a little bit of that background. We come from the marine world, and um, you kind of had the same experience. Nobody talked about the oil field. It was you were sailing blue water. You're not a real sailor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, come in, I, I went to the to Kings Point, and uh, when I, when I came out of school, there was never any mention of a of a drilling rig or a DP rig. Just going to sea for four to eight months and coming <laughs> back for two. So, when a friend of mine told me about this uh, one on one off uh, rotation, I jumped at the opportunity. to Actually, spent some time with my family. So right, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I started off doing ninety days, 90, 90 days on, ninety days off. Yours was a bit longer. You did. Yeah, I worked for a company called uh, MSC, Military Seal of Command, uh, and I was gone six months at a time, typically <laughs> back for one or two and right back out the door. So it was a good way to upgrade my license, a terrible way to uh, have a family life. But, yeah. Uh, well, it's a long time to be gone, but people don't think it's a long time to be home, too, because everybody else has a normal nine to five job and they're off on the weekends. So I, when I was single doing that life there was you know you spend a lot of time at the bar because there's nothing else to do <laughs> yeah absolutely uh you know it's it's one of those things where you're you're home all the time and you know but it's kind of funny because you're around you want to be around your family your friends the whole time you're home and by the end of the month or two they're kind of ready for you to leave because you're spending right. so much time around them sometimes <laughs> well i i couldn't believe the uh the, the how quickly three weeks goes by if you're working in the gulf of mexico coming from 90 days on, 90 days off to well, three weeks. That was nothing. <laughs> right. So you work for a company called EMI Alliance? Uh, the company, yeah, uh, EMI Alliance, um, they're based out of the U.K. I actually work for EMI USA, which is our U.S. division. So we provide asset integrity services for oil and gas, uh, offshore and onshore, FPSOs, drill, drilling vessels, uh, gas plants as well. So uh, tell our audience, what is asset integrity assurance? Uh, so on several different things that we do, we do a lot of inspection services, uh, repair and maintenance and engineering as well. So we provide a lot of NDT services. Uh, we focus Non-destructive testing. Correct. Yep. Sorry. Non-destructive <laughs> testing. One of the things we focus on is uh, for tank inspections, inspection of the hull externally, piping systems, uh, EX equipment, uh, ICCP as well, different things like that. So when, you, when you're dealing with your clients, I know inspection is not something that's real sexy and at the forefront of their thoughts. You know, we want to be drilling or, or operating or doing whatever our core competency is. Are these inspections an afterthought? If it's something the regulator didn't, didn't want to do, they would just they'd get away with not doing it? So, so in the past, I, I, th- 
I think uh, inspections could be more of an afterthought where it was whatever's required by class or by your flag, that's what you did. And you wanted it done as quickly as you could. One of the things we've seen, especially in the downturn, is uh, a lot of these companies, especially the oil majors, drilling contractors as well, uh, looking at, you know, we want to do these inspections and focus more now on safety and, and, and get the guys, you know, making sure that not only is the asset integrity being done, but also the safety of the personnel. And that's been more of a focus, I think, over, you know, the course of the last decade and, and really starting to progress forward. Yeah, and you and I talked about the shipping industry, I think, focuses more on tank entry as being a, a serious hazard, a risky operation. And I didn't feel that when I was working in the oil field. Tank inspection didn't happen that often. It was something that was rare, and it was just get it done. There was still a safety aspect to it, but it didn't get the attention like I remember the shipping industry because it's a, it's a major killer in in the offshore industry. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was, you know, we had the conversation. I, I took a a week long gas free engineering course when I was when I was shipping out just to make me competent to actually gas free a tank and, <laughs> and making sure everything was in place during your air changes right. When I came to the oil field the, the, the course I took was, you know, for confined space entry was I, I wanna say it was less than a day. So I do think the focus on tank entry uh, and inspection for and the oil field maybe in the past uh, wasn't the focus wasn't quite there. You know, it was kind of a it, I think there could have been more focus which would have you know, potentially save some lives or, or injuries. I think that, uh, you know, safety and inspection and tanks, uh, the focus on that that aspect of it, it is starting to progress forward. Um, and that's that's kind of a, along the lines of what we do as far as uh, some of the services we provide for our tank entry inspections. I think I had the same experience with you the first day I got offshore. The tool pusher asked me if I was a competent person, to which I responded, I somewhat. I, I don't know what, really what you're asking here. And right. he meant, can you, can you go gas test a, a tank so we can do some tank entry? And... I think it was a, a day course I took offshore. It was a video. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was it was not the robust type of course you would expect for the uh, amount of risk that goes into tank entry. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and going back to Ian and I and how they started with tank entry, uh, one of the things that this company did was our CEO, Danny Constantina, started a rope access uh, inspection of tanks uh, years ago in the formation of IRATA. You know, which is a large international association for rope access inspection. Prior to that, you had scaffolding and everything else up. And why don't we look at doing rope access in the tanks and making these inspections more efficient? And it actually is a safe way to do it. Um, and now we're actually moving towards that and saying, you know what, why don't we just not put people in tanks at all while we do inspections? So I thought that was funny. At lunch, you said that, you know, your CEO developed rope access for tank entry inspections. But your company is kind of leading the charge and saying, let's not do that anymore. That It's not the way to keep people safe with these tank inspections. So how are you doing tank inspections without sending somebody in? I, I would assume drones. Well, um, we haven't uh, been dealing with drones, actually. So we deal with both mini ROVs and also uh, cameras that are actually on a, a, a pole and trolley system, so to speak, on like, a, like an A-frame. We just completed, actually, I believe we're the first company to do a, a cargo oil tank inspection with just a camera with the serve before a class surveyor uh, standing outside. Two men doing four cargo oil tanks on uh, FPSO Blue Home up in the North Sea. And we completed four cargo tanks in the period of two days with no one ever entering the tanks. Wow. Typically, that inspection can take weeks. Um, there's a lot of things that go on in preparation, especially double isolation of systems when you put personnel in there. You know, we were able to actually do it with the cameras and not per person on tanks. The ROVs, you know, we use those for your ballast water tanks um, as well. You have potable water, drill water tanks. Uh, you know, eventually we like to look at your diesel fuel tanks as well for your for your drilling vessels. But that's, you know, that's that's been our big initiative. Our first initiative years ago was the uh, ODIN, which was to 
help get divers, reduce divers in the water for U-Wilds. And now our big push, or our newest initiative is No Man, which is uh, not putting personnel in tanks. So we talk about taking a, an inspection down to just two days. I mean, you're cutting out all the uh, lockout tag out and purge air and, and paperwork and all the other prep work that has to go into somebody going into the tank that is not just making it safer, making it more efficient is what you're saying. Yeah, and, and granted, on those uh, on the cargo oil tanks uh, currently, we, we still have the tanks cleaned. Uh, they do a crude oil wash and, and a seawater wash, and then we do gas free them so we can open the hatch and you know you're still standing over it so you would still being uh, uh taking in emissions right but no one enters the hatch uh, the camera goes down it has its own light uh, we use uh, cameras from the nuclear industry which have an excellent zoom on them i mean i th- think one of them is like 36 times optical 10 times uh, digital i literally looked at a couple pennies and could read everything from about <laughs> 100 feet away it was, it was pretty impressive the the preparation to the tanks and and more so the for when it comes to the isolations that take place for cargo oil tanks on fpsos for instance it's greatly reduced. And then if you talk about on drilling vessels, for instance, on your on your ballast water tanks, I mean, the fact that you don't have to deballast and in some load situations where you can't deballast or ballast back, it, it is a significant amount of time saving. And I think manpower as well. You know, you're letting the ship's crew focus on other things while you're being able to do the inspection with very little assistance. Oh, you said something very interesting there. So you're taking practices from the nuclear industry that they do this all the time this is not a it's not really a new process or some crazy technology you're using you're just adopting technology and processes that work in nuclear into the oil and gas industry yeah uh, one of the big things that we've tried to focus on is uh, and one of the things we tell our clients is we don't bring things into to say this is what you need to do we are we're trying to implement ideas and techniques that the industry has said that they want done and with that we know that you know if we can put a man on the moon we probably don't have to invent all these different things. <laughs> they probably exist somewhere in another industry. So uh, just to go back on that, we, we actually are a part of a uh, joint industry project called HITS. It's a whole inspection techniques and strategies. Whole, H-U-L-L as in the ship's hole. Yes, sir. Okay. So with this JIP, uh, joint industry project, um, you have oil majors such as um, Shell and Chevron, and, and you have vessel owners such as SBM in there, and, and then you have class regulators such as DNV, ABS, and uh, Lloyd's Registry. Uh, we're actually in our fourth round of it, I believe the fourth year. And the reason why this was developed was because it was taking, I think for the first time really, uh, taking class regulators or regulators from class societies, your oil majors and your vessel operators and saying, hey, let's get together and try to figure out some things that make sense for inspection. There were four objectives that they wanted to accomplish. The first one was to reduce the amount of divers that you put in the water for inspecting the hull. The second one was to reduce the amount of personal entry into tanks. The third was to reduce the amount of tank cleaning that you have to do. And number four, to develop an actual whole competency inspection standard. Believe it or not, we've actually, with this joint industry project, we've been able to accomplish the first two things. And we expect in 2018 to 2019 to, for, the, for the last two items to be accomplished as well. I, th- I think that's amazing. Not only that you have all of these groups coming together, a lot of these improvement processes It'll be the ship owner, it'll be a contractor who's going to decide, we need to get all our contractors together and we'll throw out what we think is best. But you actually have regulators and operators, ship owners, service companies coming in and voicing their opinion of what needs to be in these yeah, standard. absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, there are other service providers in there, not just us, but we are fortunate enough to have, be able to facilitate this. And because of something like HITS, that's where we are 
senior management was able to go to the nuclear industry, the medical industry, the security industry, and look at different things such as the nuclear cameras, because frankly, you have a, a nuclear facility, you don't put people in there to inspect. We took things such as uh, CAT scanning from the medical industry and use those uh, radiography. Uh, we use digital radiography and real-time radiography for inspecting piping, uh, in particular piping that's insulated, because what we found is on on your vessels that are, you know, especially FPSOs have big processing plants, a lot of piping, onshore gas p uh, plants. The majority of the piping corrosion you get is on carbon steel, mostly carbon steel that is insulated. So what do you have to do to actually inspect this? you got to take all Man, this if cladding I, if off. If I didn't have to cut off fiberglass insulation off piping when I was offshore, I would have been a lot happier. <laughs> Absolutely. So you take these, uh, you know, you know these, these, these instruments, these uh, real-time radiography instruments, and you can actually scan the outside of the pipe, and it'll tell you when you actually have a loss of thickness on your wall thickness on the external part, uh, external part of the pipe under insulation, and now you know where you are the critical points that you actually have to focus on for further inspections. So it allows you to be more, more proactive. And I think going back to safety, you know, it's reducing the amount of mound power that you have to use for, for these inspections and allows the ship's crew to focus on what they really need to prioritize on. Yeah, and I like that. So you're, it's more efficient, it's faster, it's safer. I mean, it's ticking all the boxes to do something more efficient. Again, that's done in other industries that y'all are adopting that I think is, a, is great. And you mentioned, you know, the, the HITS program your company chairs that organization yes sir but you've got the you've got the credentials to back that you should be in charge of this program you were talking about 10 years of uh, tell me the award again that oh yeah so the biggest thing that we we really do focus on safety that's that's uh the ceo danny constantinus that's big proponent of whatever we're doing we want to make sure we're efficient for our clients but we want to show them that we're doing it as safe as possible and allowing them to be as safe as possible so with that in uh in the uk there's a an association called the royal society for preventing accidents it's r-o-s-p-a and uh, so for the last 10 years, we had received their gold award for being a company that focuses on one that doesn't have act, that has a great track record for not having accidents, and two, is innovative in trying to, to be proactive in preventing accidents. So because we won the gold award for the last 10 years, we were just uh, this year issued their President's Award, which was a, a pretty big accomplishment. Doesn't mean we're being as safe as we can be. We, we always say that. It's just a certificate on the wall. We still need to look at how we can improve safety. But it, I think it shows where our mindset is that we actually are trying to do what we say we're doing. Well, yeah, you, you say that you're, and I like the way you phrase it because you're constantly moving forward. A lot of companies, every company should have a, z a zero incident policy. Not everybody hits that mark. But if you're constantly making efforts to improve and get there, I mean, that's what matters. You, you want to be as safe as you can, but you also want to be improving every day, every year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think a lot of, we like to call them, you know, disruptive technologies. I mean, you'll hear that a lot in the industry. In fact, my CEO, Danny Constantinus, will be giving a, a, a presentation at the IADC Asset Integrity Conference next week on digitization and, and using disruptive technology inspection techniques. And I think it's the way the industry is going. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, companies are providing this, and it's just the way of, like you said, making, making the inspections more efficient for, the cl for our clients, but also improving safety and reducing costs for them. You know, all those things go hand in hand. And you don't want, in an industry now, like now where there is a big downturn and where companies are more cost-focused and they want to reduce their costs, you don't want to neglect safety at that time. You want to be able to reduce your costs, but keep the same value you have from your inspections and increase and keep increasing safety of your personnel and well, property. And we've talked about it on this show before. It's total cost ownership. So the I, you know, not knowing exactly what your price point is for your, your products and services, you going out there doing an inspection, but 
the amount of manpower it saves, the reduction in and downtime while you're getting these repairs. So it's, yeah, like I said, I don't know where you are on the price point on your services, but if you can save a day of, of downtime or a couple hours that depending on what your day rate is, you're saving. Right. Yeah, we, we like to think that we, we provide quite a bit of value with the inspections that we bring, both with, you know, cost reductions over time. You know, you may, you may pay more in an upfront cost for an inspection, but when you reduce the amount of time you have to go back to do major maintenance or actually creating a baseline and understanding how the asset integrity is today and, how it, and being able to analyze and say, okay, this is where it's going to be tomorrow and not being reactive and having to do a major repair, that's huge cost savings. And at the same time, you know, uh, like we mentioned, uh, by doing that and ensuring that your asset integrity is sound, you increase the safety of your personnel and your equipment. Well, if I was an offshore install- installation manager or actually anywhere I needed to do some kind of tank inspection, if I didn't have to put somebody in the tank, I mean, it would have to be a pretty high cost for me to decide not to go through with something like that. Right. And the thing, too, is I think if you're able to not have to put people in tanks, it increases the opportunity to inspect more. So now you're talking about you can check the you can check that tank out twice or three times or four times the amount of, that you normally would because now you're not concerned about putting people in tanks or having to de-ballast or, or ballast up or, or whatever. You can actually go in at various times just to make sure everything's fine. And I think this really applies for the drilling rigs, the, the FPSO, shipping, everyone. I mean, I remember being a, a cargo mate for MSC and rafting a tank, you know, with a U.S. Coast Guard inspector. And you think of it now, I mean, it's, it's pretty insane that in today's modern world that there are some companies that still do that. Go into rafting a tank for our audience. Literally getting into a small rubber raft and uh, basically draining the tank down so you can go around checking the bulkheads to make sure the tank is sound. Yeah, I wanted our I wanted our audience <laughs> to be clear on that because I'm sure they were thinking, wait, uh, rafting a tank, that means you were in, yeah, no, that's literally, exactly yeah, what it means. Literally in a raft. That, that scene in Waterworld, the old man at the bottom of the tank standing on the raft. That's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Having personnel go into tank, when there's an incident, it's typically a loss of life. And it's usually multiple loss of life. You'll have a tank watch, keeping an eye on the guy, radioing, getting checks, make sure everything's okay. If somebody succumbs to either a low oxygen environment or a poisonous gas of some sort, you usually have multiple bodies at the bottom of that tank because the first reaction is his whole watch is going to come in and try and pick him up. And some of them even have the thought process that I can hold my breath long enough to get this guy out here because... I know him. He's my buddy. I'm, you know, I was going to go in the tank in 45 minutes whenever he was done with his, and we were going to swap out. And then somebody else comes along, sees two people in the tank, they jump in, and eventually it stops. But most tank entry incidents are loss of life and then result in multiple loss of life. So keeping anybody out of the tank is it's got to be the goal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I know, uh, you know, certain oil majors have said that, you know, by 2020 or, or, or shortly thereafter, they would like to see it to where we have no more personnel in tanks. Um, and, and that would definitely be a, a huge accomplishment. I, I, don't, I don't know if we'll get there at that point, but if we can reduce the amount of personnel that go in tanks, even by half, I mean, just the risk reward is so much more significant, is so significant. You just take away the, the opportunities for, for fatality and knowing personnel that have died offshore, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things you never want to see happen. Yeah, I don't know if you want to go into it. You know, you were in a pretty major investigation that involved loss of life personally, not with the same company, but um, if you want to talk about that, we'd love to hear your, your take on it. Well, you know, it was a, just a situation where a, a young man uh, uh, died on board a drilling rig. And, you know, unfortunately, it was, I, you know, I, I think things, if things would have been handled a little differently and if a 
I, I don't want to go into that. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. But it's you know it's something that's it was a it was major news in the industry, and it's something that it really if you've ever worked offshore or worked in the industry, it doesn't matter if you know the guy or not. It's gonna it it kind of tugs at you. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's not a there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about that uh, that young man and. Uh, I, I, no, we'll uh, we'll get on a, a better topic. So, you know, I don't want to I don't want to focus too much on the tank entry because that it definitely is something that I, from a shipping side, that was a big focus. School uh, when I was sailing, um, but it wasn't as big of a focus when we came into the drilling side of things. But y'all do a lot of other things. You know, the you know, non-destructive testing. Of, you know, being able to scan you know insulated pipe without ripping it apart. And if you ever had fiberglass insulation, even coveralls will not keep that off of your skin. It's <laughs> For the next couple of days. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, the, the amount of time that you can save from having to pull off insulation to inspect pipe is pretty significant. I mean, one, it's a lot of man hours. Two, uh, the risk of injury, it can be significant. So anything we can do to stop that, to do things that, aren't inv- that are non-invasive, um, I, I think benefits everybody. One of the other services we provide that actually goes along with our safety initiatives is, uh, is our ICCP systems and, and our uh, valve inspection techniques by use and of for our audience, what is ICCP? Oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, your uh, uh, cathodic ray protection for your vessel. So a cathodic ray protection system essentially protects the external part of the hull from degradation due to corrosion uh, to the metal surfaces. Rusting, so, well, yeah. Correct. But the problem with that is a lot of these ICCP systems are have been made for vessel for trading vessels that go back into dry dock. On an FPSO, or, or in particular an FPSO, or potentially a drilling vessel, but uh, these vessels that sit on location for 15, 20, 25 years, um, the ICCP systems aren't designed uh, to last the lifespan of the vessel. They don't go back into dry dock. Oh, they're so, sacrificial for a reason. Correct, yeah. And, and we've been told by some of our clients that they've spent, you know, a tremendous amount of money having to replace anodes, and it's the anodes that don't last. So one of our um, products that we pr- we, pr- we offer is a, a product called Holguard, uh, H-U-L-L, Holguard. And Holguard basically is an ICCP system that you can maintain from inside the vessel. You deploy it through the shell. It basically deploys outside the skin of the vessel. Uh, it's isolated to where it doesn't affect the integrity of your shell. And if for some reason you have to maintain the anode, you can actually retract it back inside the hole and do all your maintenance inside. It's, it's actually really cool. It's something that's been developed for about two or three years. And again, it's because of something that we were told from our clients, you know, that the industry was having an issue with. So we tried to find a way to, uh, to help solve that issue. It's something that doesn't get a lot of thought. They, you, they get installed, they get left alone, they're just supposed to do their job and you never have to think about them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been on vessels where, you know, you, you walked up one of the first uh, – drilling vessels I went on, uh, uh, semi-submersible, I went down in the pontoons and saw that the ICCP systems weren't even running, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of those things that can be an afterthought sometimes, and, and it can really be a, a huge issue for vessels such as FPSOs or FLNGs, for that matter, that sit on location for a long time. Well, this allows you to to not have to put divers in the water again to maintain these anodes. And, and these anodes that we use, they're actually designed, we do a computer model and they're designed to last uh, 20 to 25 years or whatever the lifespan of the vessel is. We do that model to determine how many anodes we actually need to install. So it's a great initiative. I mean, it's, it's one of those, uh, you know, it, it goes along with our previous initiative of reduced divers in the water. You know, there's that, and then our, our uh, ODIN system, which is an alternate U-Wild, which is an alternate to dry docking. ODIN, O-D-I-N, doesn't, isn't an acronym for anything. It is strictly after the god Odin, who was the, uh, I believe, the father of uh, Thor. Thor, right? yeah, yeah, that's right. So 
Uh, the Odin system, we, we actually, part of the Odin system is to inspect uh, skin valves uh, internally by not having to plug the discharge lines or for a suction line where, you know, you can't plug a, a suction line on the outside of the hole. You can actually hot tap into your seawater service line or while, while still in operation and stick a camera down in the pipe and, and look, look at the valve with the camera. Um, the surveyor's there. He looks at an HD screen. We function it. He can look at everything on the inboard side of the valve or uh, the down, downstream side of the valve. The, the results he gets are, are pretty impressive. The video is really good. It's another camera that we took from the, from the nuclear industry to do this. You've got examples of all this on your website we can link to to show Absolutely. Our um, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that later. I just want to make you, we'll put it all in show notes so you're not having to, your audience doesn't have to write down Odin system and, and do it. But Gotcha. Yeah. So on our website, you, we have case studies, uh, uh, testimonials, and, uh, you know, uh, FPAL reports from our clients to, uh, to tell you all about the services that we provide. Excellent. So, so we've, we've had a good conversation. Um, it kind of brings us into the Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week, and we always give that to our, our guests. So uh, what Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week do you have to keep you guys safe out there? Well, it all goes back for me to not taking shortcuts, talking about uh, fatalities on board or, or even tank entry and you know not waiting for a tank to be fully uh, gas-freed or ventilated and entering it just because you know someone said, hey, we got to get this job done. I think not taking shortcuts and doing it right will not only save your life but potentially the lives of others. I think that's a great tip and something everybody should, should follow, but sometimes it's hard if you're trying to get the job done and, and put out for your, your boss that you need to take the time to do it right. Right. All right. Uh, so that brings us into the uh, Red Wing bag winner for this week. And this week's winner of the Red Wing offshore bag is Renace Weimer. Renace is an EHS specialist at Ascent Resources. Congratulations, you're this week's winner of the Red Wing offshore bag. For your chance to win one of these awesome bags, go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. And for your chance to win, we pull one lucky winner a week. So, uh, Mark, I just want to thank you for being on the show. Um, like Appreciate I said, um, I'll put links in the show note, but if there's any, any way people want to reach out to you, LinkedIn, your email address, anything that you want to want to put out there for them. Sure. Uh, my, my email address is, right, is that okay? If you want to, yeah. You'll get, you, you maybe get inundated with that. <laughs> uh, sure. If you want to contact me by email, my, my email address is uh, mark.wilson at uh, em, as in Mike, ialliance.com. And uh, you can you can catch me on LinkedIn as well, or uh, come to the website. And you're the guy to talk to in the uh, North America area? The... I, I am American numero uno at the moment. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, um, so that brings us, you know, we're going to talk about our on-the-road sponsors uh, for 2017 is Total Land. Total Land is the world's most advanced field land management system, and we just saw all those guys back at NAEP uh, last week, so it was good seeing them out there. And I believe they were on the Oil & Gas This Week podcast, so if you're listening to this show, go check out that episode. Uh, you talk, Listen to the guys at Total Land. And we also have Lee Hecht Harrison, LHH.com. Uh, they are the global experts in talent, talent management. LHH is currently helping 75% of the Fortune 500 oil and gas companies simplify the complexity of leadership and workforce transformation. We just got done with Summer NAEP uh, here. That was uh, August 16th to the 17th. Great expo to go to. So, uh, the next one we're going to be at is the IDC Human <laughs> Factors Conference and Exhibition. That is October 17th through the 18th. The TIPCO Energy Forum, September 6th through the 7th. And again, none of this would be possible without our uh, on-the-road sponsors, uh, Total Land and Lee Hecht Harrison. If you like the show, tell us what you think. There is a link in the show notes to oilandgashse.com. There you can leave us comments, reviews, let us know what you want to hear on the show. 
and the Oil & Gas Global Network. It is newly revised. It's a magazine-style website where you get all the Oil & Gas HSC, or sorry, all the Oil & Gas Global Network podcasts. We're putting articles and videos and just useful content for the oil and gas industry. Free resources throughout there. You know, Mark LaCour has got his events newsletter. You get a free digital marketing evaluation by going to leanoilfield.com. And I think that kind of wraps it up for us. Mark, is there anything else you'd like to uh, tell the audience? Anything last parting words? Yeah, actually, um, if you're interested in seeing some of the things that we do, I'm actually going to be holding a demonstration at, at the end of November, tentatively around the, I think it's the 28th of November here in Houston. You can contact me by email or on LinkedIn uh, for more information. Yeah, yeah, so that's great. So if you want to go uh, check out the demonstration here in Houston, um, send Mark an email and you know, I'm sure he'll reach back out. That does it for another episode of the Oil & Gas HSC Podcast. Uh, y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil & Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil & Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond. So when I first started shipping, I was a cadet on a dry bolt carrier and a young 19-year-old kid. And they asked me to go into a rose bottom to start chipping on a valve with a, with a hand chipper. Um, Needle gun or? Hand chipper. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the funny thing about, well, that was the funny thing about it. The uh, interesting thing about it was, was that there was talking about uh, tank entry and forced ventilation and gas freeing. The tank had been opened. Um, there was no forced ventilation at all. <laughs> And I was sitting in Lake Charles, Louisiana, for a period of about six hours chipping on this thing. But I was told, you know, you can come on out for, for, for air when you need to. And I, I was checked on. That's, that's awful nice of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was, it was one of those vessels that had a very limited crew. Um, they were trying to load to go to Russia for, uh, to, to actually take over several, several thousand bags of rice, I believe. And me not knowing any better, really, being a, uh, a sophomore from, from, from school, I went in and did my job and tried to do the best thing I could <laughs> and was, um, you know, lost about 20 pounds doing it in the process. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, it just kind of goes along with what we're saying. I mean, this is years ago now, but, uh, you know, it, I, I don't think anything like that will happen today. But I, looking back on it, it was a, it was pretty crazy to think that I actually did that. Every, that I was actually told to do that. But it's also it, hard to say no at that age. You, you're, you're, you're told by somebody to do something, you're going to do it. And well, yeah, and just think about, you know, a young roustabout or, you know, a roughneck who's told, hey, you know, go get the, we got to get it done. You know, there's a lot, a lot of things that have to get done urgently. And, you know, you're being, you, you, you want to move up. You know, you're not thinking about, you know, what are the repercussions of this to me, especially when you're young like that. You think you're invincible. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> it, uh, it, 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 it's crazy to think that some of the things we've probably done in uh, offshore and, you know, continue to do.